This is a Lip Media Podcast. This podcast is recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. The country we now call Australia was built on the stolen lands of hundreds of unique Indigenous nations, and we recognise that as white women, we continue to partake in and benefit from the act of colonisation. We pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging. Welcome to Bookslut, a podcast bringing erotica out of the gutter and into a snobbier gutter. Hi, my name is Abby. And I'm Sam. It should go without saying that this podcast is not safe for work, so put your headphones in. I am so excited about this. (laughs) Okay. So, I mean, I'm excited because we're going to be talking about pubic hair. Yay! Pubies! I I just think it's an exciting topic. And unlike last week or last fortnight, there is so much written about pubes. Yeah. That, you know, it's going to be more about how to say all of the things that I want to say in a small (laughs) amount of time. Yep. I read this fortnight, Pucked. (laughs) <laughs> okay yeah by helena hunting mm-hmm. it was written in 2015 i was trying to find first i thought maybe we'd have some luck with anthologies of finding some i don't know pubic hair anthologies i feel like it's a thing for some people having mm. sex with people with pubic hair yeah, or, totally. and or without without right yeah. like i feel like it's definitely a thing and i was kind of surprised that i couldn't find any straight erotica mm. that dealt with this just this you know this was a kind of formative part of it i found this it's definitely a romance and it started off pretty positive i was kind of like yeah because it starts off and she's masturbating mm-hmm, and i was mm-hmm. like this is woo, yeah <laughs> ding, ding, we're ding. in <laughs> cool we, we got this and i was just like yep strap in this book made me possibly angrier than any other book i've read including 50 shades of gray oh wow that's there's some fighting words yeah and i just it's a story of a 22 year old whose stepdad is a scout and stepbrother is a hockey player Mm -hmm. so her stepdad is a hockey scout person i'm gonna be real it was like 300 and something pages long so i skimmed a lot of the hockey stuff oh fair enough (laughs) Oh my god. So I'm not entirely sure about, say, the plot. I love that you're like, here for logistics, <laughs> but not for the hockey. But not for hockey. Her stepbrother has just been traded to another hockey team because he got caught in a compromising god, position. God, I'm already bored of the hockey gossip. <laughs> he got caught in a compromising position uh, with a woman, right? Who are called puck bunnies. <laughs> Wait. Wait, who's called po- the the women who like follow hockey? Oh, is that the name? The hockey people? name for group? I don't know if this is an actual name for them. I mean, if do somebody... hockey groupies exist? Surely, it's like a big thing in like Canada and the US. Yeah, like hockey's okay. like it's like a it's a whole thing. So she goes to his match game thing. Yep, and <laughs> <laughs> yep, off to a good start. Yep. And then she sees this guy get in a fight, as hockey players do, on the Fields? ice. <laughs> Pitch. Ground. 
Why do they have so many different names? They're the same thing. It's just where you're playing. It's the, it's the, it's like the play it's area. The play area. <laughs> um, and <laughs> oh, also, I mean, she is like an accountant and she got a job through her stepdad, essentially managing the finances of hockey players. Right. Oh God. Okay. <laughs> so she sees a guy get into a fight and then. She's like, oh, that guy's kind of hot. I love this masculinity. Pretty much, yeah. And then she's at the after party and ends up hooking up with this guy, right? She, it, the, the plan is for a one-night stand. Oh, I just got it. Pucked. I got it. <laughs> I got it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, cool. cool. We're on the same page now. Yeah, got it. So the plan is for a one-night stand. This woman is one of the most unlikable people (laughs) I have ever fictionally met. (laughs) She is such a fucking intellectual snob. Like, she's just... And I'm like, bitch, you're 22 and you got a job through your daddy. Like, you need to step down and shut up. Like, (laughs) she says... All of these, co- and it's mostly through her perspective. Yeah. Sometimes it's, so her name is something. Very forgettable. Violet. 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 <laughs> You're turning Violet, Violet. Oh, I was thinking Jawbreaker. Oh. Like... It's not Fern, it's Violet. <laughs> I mean, bitchy name. Yeah. And his name is Alex Waters. And her brother's name is Buck. Her stepbrother's name is Buck. Buck. Yeah. Yeah. Her character, it's supposed to be a comedy. Right, this book is 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 marketed as like a a, a rom com essentially comedy. Yeah, good points. There is a lot of sex, so mm. that that's that was kind of positive. That's good, especially after last yeah, night. <laughs> exactly, there was a lot of sex in this, but she kind of has these things as if like she's reading a book at the hockey game rather than watching it because she's not really that interested in it. I mean, it objectively sounds like something that you would do. It does. It does. But then he... Also, I'm sure people have absolutely called you an intellectual snob at some point. (laughs) Yeah, probably. But he, like, makes a comment on the book and she's like, oh, my God, it says, I blink as if I've been high-beamed with a flashlight. Alex knows who wrote Tom Jones and he's used the word cerebral in the appropriate way. Sorry, Tom Jones? Yeah, uh, like... Fielding wrote it. It's a book. Oh, <laughs> I just immediately went to sex bombs. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly where I went. No. <laughs> so, so it's like, and she makes multiple comments about how like hockey players are dumb, and how all the girls, all of the puck bunnies, are dumb. <laughs> it's just really obnoxious. Yeah. And then there's also this like part of this comedy is that she's like this intelligent woman who has word vomit. But you know how it's just like, bleh, I just say a thing. <laughs> oh my God, I have no filter. That kind of vibe. She's definitely the kind of girl who would be like, I'm so random. Oh God, no. <laughs> her word vomit is essentially mostly just her saying incredibly inappropriate things. Yeah, like, right. And then being... Oh, whoops, my tongue. Exactly. And then being like, oh no. Like they're caught making out at this party and her brother, her stepbrother is like, you're making out. And she's like, no, we're mouth fucking. All right. <laughs> okay. Which is just like. Unnecessary. So unnecessary. She is incredibly whorephobic. Oh no. So the whole book. Up to this point, I was like, okay, I can, I can deal. 
Yeah. This is a line I do not want to cross. The whole book is incredibly whorephobic. And it was just really jarring. Yeah. So, for instance, some of the words they used, she would call people hockey hookers. Right. She, yeah, she would, she had this whole, she had a big hang up about hockey players because she dated a hockey player once and it wasn't great. It wasn't horrific. It just wasn't great. Oh, I just also like people date, things happen, people break up. <laughs> yeah, move Fucking on. deal with it. Yeah. So her whole thing is like, I'm going to have a one night stand with this guy because you can't date hockey players because they're all scum and they're idiots. <laughs> right. But I wrote down some of the things, some of the, and this is like a small percentage of stuff that was written in this book. Yeah. When she's at the game, she talks about a gaggle of girls whose skirts could double as headbands. Uh-huh. I can see why the women behind me are dressed for their shift on the corner. Ah. Uh. Normally, I'd be put out by his blatant ogling, but I've asked for it with the sheer, sheer shirt and the ostentatious bra. Oh, God. I was wondering if it was going to get go so far as like specifically saying asking for it mm. jesus this is and these are all within the first like 50 pages uh this is getting later in the book i moan like a street walker <sighs> i already had the oh and then he says i already had the impression violet wasn't really a one night stand kind of girl not because she said as much it's what they all say before they get on their knees or their back what 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 but because she truly didn't seem the type what what <laughs> fuck me I always, like, I find it fascinating that when you come across romance and erotica that does center so much sex but is simultaneously really, really hung up on sex work. Yeah. Like, you, I just, it frustrates me because it's like, what, who do you think pioneered a lot of sexual empowerment and and sort of created the the ability for for what we now in modern day enjoy as like sexual liberation many of them were sex workers like i just feel like you can't have it both ways you can't simultaneously like (laughs) yeah you can't be like we're gonna talk about these sexy times but then constrain it in this idea of like but this is in a loving relationship which makes it okay yeah and i mean the kicker that's both whorephobic and classist I look like an expensive escort, which is not nearly as bad as a hooker. Oh my god. It's like the worst game of bingo. (laughs) It's even worse than virginity bingo. (laughs) So, I mean, that's... And that's a small percentage of, like, just the shit that was thrown out casually as, as a joke. Yeah. And I was like, this is gross and you need to rethink what's, what's happening here. Anyway. To the story. I, I just really hate that it, like, positions it as though... Like, this, the implication of that is this character is like, oh, I'm I'm better than mm. that. I'm better than these... these Girls um, who are, like, follow These groupies yeah. who follow around the hockey players. I'm better than sex workers, you know? Yeah. And it starts to, like, play in the waters of, like, not like other girls. Oh, there was so much. They didn't actually say not like, oh, actually, maybe he did say that. But it was very clear that that's what was happening. I'm just so sick of seeing, yeah, women kind of pitted against each other like this. It's bullshit. Yeah. And that was this whole thing was just, yeah. They decide to have a one night stand. Mm-hmm. Her stepbrother isn't doesn't like it because Alex has a reputation as a ladies' man. Right? right, yep. 
all around this idea of a hat trick where he slept with three different girls in one night, right? But she doesn't know what she doesn't know that at the moment. It, that's kind of the complication in this book is that she finds out about that and she flips her shit. Oh, that's the challenge they have to yeah, overcome. Yeah, that's the challenge. And then there's another one that is equally as pathetic. Her her stepbrother's like, no, he's not good for you, blah, blah, blah. So they don't sleep together. They kind of go to their separate rooms. Mm-hmm. And then she gets a call. This is just an example of some dialogue that she says. Firstly, when her stepbrother gets mad at her about hooking up with Alex, she's like, don't tell anybody about this. Otherwise, I'll tell my mum that time that you groped me when you were drunk. Oh, it's very cruel intentions. Yeah. Also, he never did that. That's a lie. Oh. And she just lets him believe that so that she can bring it up oh when he God. does stuff that she doesn't like. It's explicitly said in the book that that's what she does. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. She like dangles this possible kind of incest topic to get him to do what what she wants. Oh, my God. Anyway. There's so much. <laughs> so there's, there's so much going she on. She gets a call when she's gone back to her room and she says... She answers the phone thinking it's her stepbrother and says, what do you want, douche whore? What? <laughs> <laughs> Haven't you ruined Good one? <laughs> <laughs> Haven't you ruined my night enough by interrupting my mouth fucking session with your fuck hot teammate? <laughs> now you have to disturb my masturbation session as well. Who says that to this stepbrother? <laughs> God, okay, all right. But anyway, then Alex turns up and they have sex. And then he essentially goes Christian Grey on her and starts stalking her. Okay. Sends her daily deliveries, turns up to her work. She's not like fully no, no, no about it. But she's like, I've been burnt by a hockey player before. Right. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. And there was this other line in this whole stalking thing that I was like, come on. (laughs) Yeah. So he looks through Buck's Facebook profile to find pictures of her. Buck. (laughs) Yeah. He looks through Buck's Facebook profile to find pictures of her and then saves them to his computer. Mm -hmm. And he says, I'm disappointed in myself, but I'll probably whack off to the pictures when I'm alone anyway. I hate myself, (laughs) but it turns me on. Cry into that wank. (laughs) Oh my God. All right, so... There's a lot happening so far. We haven't even mentioned pubes yet. I know. The pubes are kind of, they're there. They'll come in. Okay. But I just feel like the story is separate to the pubes. Okay. All right. So let's get to the end of the story. I'll wrap it up. Okay. He's trying to land an endorsement. As part of that, his agent tells him to like play it cool with Violet in public. Mm -hmm. And then during an interview... The whole hat trick thing happens and she just essentially ignores him for a week and he explains and she's like, oh, the media just kind of made it up. So, yeah, okay. Oh, that I makes didn't sense. think to come and talk to you No, there is it. no communication in this book. God. <laughs> she's at a game and he says to a reporter that we're just friends about her and Uh-oh. she, like, flips her shit and just deletes his number, blocks him on all socials, like changes her email address, Bold. moves out of her house and goes to a different house. <laughs> like, it's like, I am done. <laughs> just, I'm packing my shit up. Yeah, just like cuts him out. And then he declares his undying love for her on the TV. Oh God. Do they end up back together? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They end up together and then he proposes. 
Um, oh, okay. I think. I can't remember. If does he land the hockey deal though? Is it a deal? Is that yeah, he does it? because <laughs> because it's like once he comes out as like this, you know, good guy because he was harboring this like bad boy image because his right. agent told him to. But then he gets a new agent because of everything with Violet. And then once he's like this homegrown good guy, he gets more endorsements. Oh, God. Oh, no. There's <laughs> an issue in and of itself. So the things I liked about this book. Yeah. I feel like there's a couple that I need to mention. There's a lot of talk about masturbation. Cool. We which love is that. great. But also, like, there's this thing where she's, like, really horny because she's been making out with Alex. And then she's like... I'm forced to use my own fingers to, oh, she calls it Jill off rather than Jack off. Oh. (laughs) She's like, why can't you just say like jerk off, which is a gender neutral, right? Is, is it? Isn't it? I don't know if it is, but you could just say flick the bean if you want a more like feminized (laughs) or just like rub one out. Yeah. That's, that's neutral. She calls it Jill off. They also always call her vagina a beaver because Alex is Canadian. Oh, okay. All right. Yep. Okay. <laughs> anyway, I'm forced to use... She forgets her vibrator. There's discussion about vibrators. The thing I don't like about Jill Off, uh-huh. right, is that it's like... It gives all of the, like, oh, I'm a feminist. Like, it, it sets it up to be like, I'm this really staunch feminist. You're not, because of the way you talk about other women. You yeah. Piece of shit. Yeah. That's true. That's... Yeah. It's just like... A, it's like a feminist red herring. Yeah. And I think it's similar in the way that she was presented as like this very intelligent Mm. woman who then still has these like word vomit moments where she says stupid stuff. You know what it makes me think of? And she's so random. (laughs) I'm just really quirky. (laughs) This is the third time I've tried to finish this sentence. Sorry. Anyway, forced to use my own damn fingers to jill off. It takes me 15 minutes to come. The sore wrist and finger cramps eliminated the relaxing elements of the whole process. (laughs) I liked that. That was real. (laughs) They use condoms and it's mentioned. She talks about how the first time, I mean, this is both good and bad. The first time they have sex, penetrative sex, she comes, which she doesn't normally do from penetrative sex. So it's both like good that you can be like women don't have to come from penetrative sex, but also this being like this man makes me come. magical penis. Yeah. And he constantly asks for her permission to, to go further. Yeah, okay. So, like, to start kissing her and, like, constantly throughout the book. And there's a line that says, with every kiss and every touch so far, he's asked permission to forward it. It makes him infinitely sexier and harder to say no to. Oh, that's good. Yeah, so it was kind of like, that That was quite nice. I also like this line where he's about to knock on her door and she doesn't want her parents to wake up. And she says, I consider a tuck and roll across the floor for fun, but I'm uncoordinated, so I settle for running. <laughs> Also sounds like something you'd say. <laughs> oh, also he has a giant penis. <sighs> like a giant, giant penis. It is referred to as the monster cock throughout the book. Or MC. Oh, it's short. got an acronym. Yeah. And she has a dream about it where it's a superhero in a cape. <laughs> with MC on the cape. Monster cock. Is that a thing in... Got a monster cock. Yeah. This is my dad wrote a porno. Yeah, that's it. That's it. <laughs> um, but she says, like, so when they have sex sometimes, she says, I'm chanting something incoherent into his neck. With absolute horror, I realize I'm repeating the phrase, I love your cock. Oh. <laughs> I mean, 
That's comedy. <laughs> I don't think in the way she wanted it to be. <laughs> I'm so out of it. I scream, I love you. Hastily tacking on monster cock at the end. <laughs> uh, that's, that's good. That's gold. So... It gets mentioned a lot. Like every time he takes his pants off. Like, like, does it say how big? It doesn't say how big, but it says she can't get her finger, her forefinger and her thumb around it. Okay. So excuse me while I just... (laughs) Yeah, I did it and I was like, I mean, okay. But then if you can't, that makes it significantly kind of bigger. It depends how much you can't. Yeah, like how much space between your... There's this whole thing where she's like... It's like an... It's like a person who wears an extra large shirt trying to fit into an extra small... (laughs) what the hell do you think happens to the shirt the seams split and they burst out out of it like the hulk i can't even imagine the tragedy if my beaver exploded (laughs) (laughs) tragedy (laughs) oh also he's uncut oh and we haven't had i know that that's a thing in america that like it would be something that you would talk about in america but it's not really something that we talk about much in australia no so it was interesting to me that like there was a there was a line specifically about how he was uncut and she had never slept with an uncut penis, huh. and um and that you know she really enjoyed playing with his foreskin and stuff. Yeah, right. I'm gonna be real with you. I don't know what to do with a circumcised penis. <laughs> <laughs> I've only ever slept with one guy who's had a circumcised penis, and yeah, very similar. Like I'm just like I don't. I was like I'm gonna give you like f- friction burn. <laughs> something it's, it's honestly something that always surprises me about the states when i remember that most americans are circumcised yeah it's bizarre and i'm like hey but why i love like a foreskin mm. i'm pro foreskin i'm also pro foreskin i just think it's yeah i, I think know. also i'm i'm a little bit nervous but i guess that's <laughs> the thing right like if you are american and you grow up and you have your sexual experiences with circumcised penises I can definitely see how seeing an uncircumcised penis would be kind of terrifying. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because I mean, the circumcised looks one's wise. quite, like, nice to look at. Yeah. So it's kind of like, I definitely see how the inverse could also be true. That you Like, it's just about like, what you're what, used what to. What do you do with all this yeah. extra skin? <laughs> how do, what, what am I supposed to do with this? <laughs> it's hiding. Come out. Um, so, yeah, I, we've never... I mean, I've never read, even in the erotica, I haven't read specifically about whether a penis is cut or uncut. Yeah, I can't remember ever really coming across it. Yeah. Um, so we'll take a break and then we'll start talking about pubic hair. <laughs> I had a lot to get off my chest. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mm. Pubes. Pubes. <laughs> so the book mentions them a couple of times, actually, which was kind of interesting. The first time is when, well, actually, 
The first time that they're talking specifically about genital pubes. <laughs> where, where, where else are pubes? Eyebrows. They're the pubes of the face. <laughs> yeah, but that's not that's not legitimate. That's not what they're... <laughs> I know. They're pubic hairs in the pubic region. I get it. Anyway, when they're talking about pubes, they the first time that they have sex, there's a mention where it says, first things first, Alex manscapes there's no 70s style dick fro going on down there dick fro (laughs) he's not quite like my beaver (laughs) she sports a short mohawk but he's neat and tightly trimmed i know some guys do this to make it appear bigger in this instance i'm positive i'm not gawking at an optical illusion it's huge just to bring it. back to the monster cock. A mohawk, so a landing strip? So a landing strip is what I took that as, yep. not like an actual little kind of Which mohawk. respect, if that was the case. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> a little it's gel. Like a spiky. <laughs> yeah, that'd be kind of awesome. <laughs> so that's kind of like the first introduction we have to pubic hair in this. Yeah, right, okay. And it made it's me... Th- more detail than you would normally get. I do think we've it's come up a bit. In over the course of the books that we've read, like I remember in Fanny Hill, there was like a thicket of curls and... I feel like you either, they either write about it if it's not there or if it's there in a, like, they don't really write about it in a, like, it's just a neatly trimmed bikini line. Yeah. It's always like full bush or <laughs> or a landing strip or, you know, something fun or whatever. Yeah. If it's, I guess it's something that's like noted. Um, rather than someone who just trims. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's interesting. I mean, I I think pubic hair is really complicated. Yeah. It's a really complicated area. And I guess one of the things that I really wish that I had known as a young woman is that it's fashion. Mm. You know, like it is a fashion trend and they are trends. Mm-hmm. You know, these things happen and they've been happening this entire time. And just like any other fashion trend, you I don't think you can separate the it entirely from politics. No. And pubic hair in particular because oh. it's so controversial. Yeah. You know? It's- oh, and I mean like anything that's to do with bodies in particular, anything that's got a sexual connotation to it, carries with it extra weight, especially when it comes to the female body. Yeah. Yeah. And so I had a look into like the history. I don't know if you kind of looked into the history of Uh, hair removal in Mm -hmm. general and you often hear about the ancient Egyptians or at least women often hear about the fact that the ancient Egyptians started waxing with like a sugar syrup thing and that was the beginning of modern wax and the Romans plucked all of the hair from their body (laughs) except for like the the head hair and that was men and women as well I think also there's a there's a conversation about class in this because Mm -hmm. generally those that can afford this kind of uh, body maintenance Mm -hmm. are higher class. And it was the same in Egypt, the same in ancient Rome, you know, like it was the higher classes that, that had these things done to them as well. But then there's a lot of things linked to hair removal and fashion. Mm -hmm. You know, you had the mini skirt, which meant, and also, um, nylons ran out in world war ii and so women were suddenly showing their legs more then you had the gillette ads in you know the early 90 um 1900s 
then you had kind of like short sleeves, which is when you had armpit hair becoming a whole thing. Then you had the bikini, which is when you had stuff about pubic hair. Yeah, it's like it's it's intrinsically tied to how much skin you're showing. I think even before that, though, like in earlier days in Victorian, in the Victorian era, openly not having pubic hair was had connotations linked to sex work because mm-hmm. we're talking about like in the days when lice was really prevalent and yep. so they would remove hair f- for health reasons but having pubic hair was considered to be a sign of health and class and fertility and so uh 1450 is when we saw the merkin become a thing mm, because yep. people would remove their their pubic hair but it was still a symbol of more than just the physicality of the hair to have hair so they would have the merkins whereas sex workers it was a signal that they were like lower class yeah one of the things that came out in the research that i was looking at was that so much of our research on pubic hair is western oh yeah immensely so very focused on white women in particular um so it's quite interesting to see that, you know, that idea of fertility comes up in other cultures as as well. And there was one article that I was reading that was looking into this idea of cross-cultural pubic hair removal practices. And the methodology is a bit kind of flawed in that it was using kind of ethnographic studies that were from hundreds of years, like a hundred odd years ago, plus up to now. Yeah. But it is a very challenging area to study, though. And this is the other thing. In those times in particular, and probably still to this day, a lot of the people doing those studies were white and a lot of them were men. And so talking to particularly women of different cultures as a white man, asking them about their pubic hair, yeah, what kind of answers are you going to get from that? Yeah. But um, the study did did have a few things about different uh, religions and different uh, cultures and the way that they deal with pubic hair. And one part of it was also the idea of um, the mythology around pubic hair Mm -hmm. and the fact that in a lot of cultures, there are stories around particularly women's pubic hair, using them in magic and spells. Oh, really? That's cool. Yeah. These, These kind of amazing stories around it, which we don't have in the Western world yeah um it's just not mentioned it's really kind of like an unmentionable topic oh i mean i think that it gets spoken about but it's always like well not not always but it's until recent times it's always been a kind of like it's either a statement or it's gross you know like if we're thinking about like the 70s or it was like full bush but that was associated with people who were taking a stand it was associated with feminists and with with hippies, essentially. I read this interesting take on that, actually, that post the 70s was when we had this real uptick in Brazilians yeah. and, like, full hair removal. Yeah, it's like it swung the other direction. And that it was, there's an argument that that was actually in response to the feminist movement, you know? It was this actual kind of distancing mm. from feminism that happened through people's pubic hair, which yeah, I thought right. is quite interesting. Um, definitely not saying that people that choose to go hairless or anti-feminists or anything. Mm. But interesting to see how you did have that like full bush 70s vibe. And then in the 80s and the 90s was when the Brazilian really kind of took off. Yeah, look, I just think that it's it's a really fascinating area that doesn't get as much attention as it deserves, especially like looking around in academia, I was struck by 
Like there was a bit out there, but I was struck by there not being as much as I anticipated because to me, it's hugely representative of ideas around expectations and norms and what isn't isn't acceptable about our bodies and it's so so wrapped up in gender and sexual politics and how we perceive attraction and cleanliness like it's a really fascinating space and there just really isn't that much out there that said I did read one that was a study that was done on Australian women in 2008 and Essentially, the study was aiming to explore the motivations behind the practice of body hair removal. So it wasn't just pubic hair. It was on leg hair, armpit hair and pubic hair, specifically around women. And of the participants that they included, 60% of them removed at least some of their pubic hair, with 48% removing most or all of it. Um, I found it really interesting that the, the mean age for their first foray into pubic hair removal was 15.7 years old wow which i think i was pretty late to the oh i actually don't remember the first time i shaved my pubic region before i got it i'm a waxer just we're we're outing here (laughs) i mean the entire podcast essentially (laughs) yeah so um i found really early on that even with my legs i can't shave my legs um because i have eczema so i just started waxing and my mum was really kind of supportive of that but i i didn't want to ask my mum to pay for me to get my bikini line waxed or whatever so I think I shaved for a little bit but it was just it was too painful for me honestly like do what you want with your pubic hair like it's fine as long as you're thinking about it I think this is a bigger issue like I don't think that it's for anyone to say what people should and shouldn't do with their hair Mm. what I think deserves interrogating is why you feel like you if you feel like you should and why that is um, and where that's coming from. I think that's worth interrogating. One thing I will <laughs> disagree with, though, is shaving. Like, it's so uncomfortable. Yeah, the, like, the, if the you're regrowth. It, like, like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Give me the sugar wax of, like, the Egyptians <laughs> yeah. before you get a fucking razor to my pubes. Give me someone plucking out individual pubes. Honestly, I'm not even kidding. Yeah, it's, um, it's an interesting thing because I... It's something that I've struggled with a lot as a feminist is Mm. the idea of hair removal and whether I'm doing it for myself, if I ever can do it for myself. Yeah. um, Because I wax my legs. And it's interesting. We've had conversations um, and this may have changed, but we've had conversations where, for instance, I stopped shaving my pits and to me, having hairy legs made me feel less feminine than Mm. having hairy pits. Yeah. Whereas when we were talking about it, having hairy pits made you feel less feminine than having hairy legs. Yeah. And it has changed a bit. I feel, I don't know. I'm, I'm into hairy pits on women. I think it's hot. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) So so that's evolved. Yeah. I don't know if I necessarily associate it with my femininity, Yeah, but I like it. Yeah, and it's interesting, I think, when you talk to women, something about hairy pits in particular, to me, I also think it's super hot because when I see a woman rocking pits, I'm like, she's super confident. Yeah. Like, you know, I read a lot into the fact it is a statement that you've decided to kind of do this. But then 
I also think a complicated area of this is, and it was mentioned a couple of times in, in what I was reading about why women, and we will talk about men, but at this point, mostly women choose to do this. And quite a large number mentioned things about their partners. Yeah. Right. And actually I think this went both ways for men and women. Mm, interesting. Whereas women often wanted men to be like trimmed, right? Whereas it was more often that men would be like all off or something, you know, a bit more drastic. That to me, I used, when I was younger, I used to be very like, if a man ever asked me to shave or to wax, I would absolutely dump him, mm-hmm. right? Like it's just a, it's a no brainer to me, but as I've gotten older, the more I'm like, oh yeah, absolutely. If it's like a one night stand and somebody's like, you need to whack, I, I would be like, are you fucking kidding me? If it was a partner and we had a conversation about it, I think there would have to be a whole conversation around around this issue, you know? Because yeah, look, I feel like if you can talk about preferences in all other areas, exactly, it doesn't necessarily mean that you... Um force someone to do something they don't want to do or you impose really drastic rules about what they can and can't do but I think it's worth a conversation just like anything else yeah and this is kind of the part where it's like if this is a preference how do we talk about this Mm. I think I would really struggle if it was something like I will not have sex with you unless you have no hair oh yeah I would (laughs) I I mean I would also struggle with that and I, I think one of these things is like I got a I don't even think they're called Brazilians anymore where it's like everything off it's like a 4x <laughs> yeah whatever it is I got one of those when I was in my early 20s to be like I'm gonna give this a try right yeah. like I'm gonna because people people tell me it's good <laughs> and, <live> once. <laughs> and like you know you can't judge something until you try it kind of I vibe mean, wax sounds fine <laughs> yeah I mean it was so painful <laughs> I just like I could not I thought I was prepared I wasn't prepared. I was not prepared for how painful that was going to be. And, but the other thing that I was really unprepared for was that I didn't like the way it looked. Yeah. I didn't like the way I looked. Like a plucked chicken. Yeah. Like it felt, I felt really young. Yeah. Like I, well, I I find that really fascinating in the sense that like, there is this connection here that I was thinking about this week. If if body hair is like in and of itself an indicator, like it's a physical indicator of your sexual maturity, we get more body hair as we go through puberty, right? And so its removal is sort of inherently linked to this idea of youth. And as we've spoken about before, like femininity is also like often paired with things like innocence weakness Mm. youthful Mm -hmm. and subordination yeah and so I just find it really interesting that like yes it does look childlike Mm. and how does that relate to our ideas of what being feminine is Mm. I also I also think it's really interesting the way that it's uh connected with cleanliness yeah and this is both pubic hair and your armpit hair right like but only for women oh yeah you know, like like if somehow not having hair means that your vagina is cleaner. Which is interesting as well because the hair is supposed to be there to protect your vulva from bacteria. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Like it is one of those 
areas where obviously I think most people can tell that neither of us <laughs> go fully waxed at this point. Not anymore. <laughs> I definitely went through a period of doing it though. Yeah. Back in the day. Sorry, go on. What were you going to say? No, I would be interested. <laughs> yeah, no, I... To hear I, about your journey. Yeah, look, I definitely... I, I, everything used to come off when I was younger. I definitely fell into the way of thinking around it being sexier, being sleek like a dolphin. Um, <laughs> I mean, we're told it's sexier. Like, in that way, it is sexier. I, oh, yeah. I think I think you can say that, like, society has made it sexier to have no pubes. For sure. Like, so... Although I don't necessarily feel that way, but it's o- now. Mm. But I feel like that's only come through considered thought and also there is a shift like you're starting to see it more on like alternative shows and in alternative brands and things that's coming out and so yes absolutely it's becoming sexier now in my brain because I've been told that I'm allowed to yeah yeah and it isn't like that's really interesting to me as well is that like I think that dealing with your pubic hair is a polite and lovely thing to do yeah. For your partner or whatever partner you're in. Yeah. I uh, trim my with. nails. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like it's, but I don't want to be doing anything that I don't expect my partner to be doing as well. And I would never expect my partner to entirely wax everything off. But like, if my partner was into that, I would be like, okay, cool. Like, sure. It, it, it honestly doesn't bug me. Um, but I do think with the increase in oral sex that like if you're going down on someone, it's nice to have it taken care of. So one of the things that I read that really surprised me, which I'd never thought of, but made sense. There was a 2016 study that found that people who have removed their pubic hair were 80% more likely to have an STI. Huh. There's also, although there has been another study that's found there's no correlation. Yeah, right. So it's still kind of up in the air. But one of the things that I was reading about that was, because I was originally like, come on, like, are you just saying that people who who remove their pubic hair are like more sexually active or whatever, felt a little judgy. But one of the things that I was reading was saying that that may actually be due to the fact that when you are ripping out hairs, you are more likely to have little cuts and ingrown hairs and therefore bacteria, you know, like it's, there are more places for infections to happen. Let me just say, (laughs) (laughs) don't come at me and tell me that, that removing pubic hair via shaving is because you care about (laughs) cleanliness and then have fucking ingrown hairs (laughs) everywhere. Like I just... I'm so anti-shaving. I'm getting that. I'm really getting that. I have a few things. So when you were saying before about the reasons that that women give for it, one of the things that came up in one of these studies that I read was that women will self-identify reasons to do with femininity and attractiveness and cleanliness. That's to be expected. Um, I mean, in the sense that that's... What we tell ourselves. Yeah. (laughs) Um... But they found that women were able to recognize that there are these normative pressures on women in general to shave or wax, but they were just unwilling to accept them as the the rationale behind their own motivations. Oh my God. Every time I go to the beauticians, 
they fucking hate me because I'm like, why am I here? Oh, I have the same. <laughs> why am I? And I, I always, every time I'm like, I'm like, oh, can I just get, and I describe what I want. And I'm like, can you just, can you make it natural? And, I, and, then, and then I'm, every single time I make the same joke and I'm like, uh, that's a bit ridiculous. There's nothing natural about this. <laughs> they hate me. You and I are the same. <laughs> Like every time I'm getting my legs waxed, there's someone like with their face in my vagina and I'm just like, oh, so how good's the patriarchy making me do this? I do love asking them though about like the current trends. Ah. It's just one of my favorite uh, wax conversations to have. (laughs) Um, The other thing that I wanted to bring up was obviously there's there's a couple of studies on it, but something that stuck out to me was that there was also a 2017 survey done through Cosmopolitan magazine, Esquire and Ask Men. Wow. Okay. So they collaborated on yeah. this. And like, it's easy to like poo poo this, but the reality is, is that that that's sample. The, yeah. That's the group. Yeah. Like, that's, yeah. And in all the studies that I read, the academic ones, they had like 200, 300, 400 participants. This one had over 4,000 participants. Wow. So like... Sure, it's not academic, <laughs> it's not peer-reviewed, but like that information is, was really striking to me. So what they found uh, on, the, on the topic of um, partners asking each other to do things, they found that 40% of men had asked their partner to change what they do with their pubic hair, much less so in women. They found that... I think that's the thing that gets me as well, is that I just would not ask from a power dynamic standpoint like that's just not something that i would feel comfortable doing no to a male partner but the idea that they feel comfortable doing that to me Mm. is what kind of upsets me in these situations 30 percent of the the men that responded to this said that pubic hair is a deal breaker to them that's okay like, well, I mean, it's not okay, but it's okay for me because I don't want to be with someone well, who thinks it's... a litmus test, yeah. right? Like, if, they, if you go to bed with someone, go to bed with someone? I think the scary thing about <laughs> pubic hair is that you don't know until you're in bed with them. Yeah, that's And it's true. an incredibly vulnerable thing to have someone make a comment on your pubic hair when totally. you're naked, that's, which has yeah. definitely happened to me. And yeah. when you're young, in particular... Oh, that shit sticks with you. The fact that someone can do that and not think about how that's actually going to affect the person is remarkable. This in the book, it does. There is kind of this position of um, removal of pubic hair as important. Mm -hmm. And she says, you know, um, so she has a date with Alex says, if I'm going out with him tomorrow, I have to do work. And by work, I mean some beaverscaping. Stop. <laughs> I know. I know. Literally, they never, they literally say beaver about a thousand times. Um, <laughs> it's been a month since I visited. You're going to love this. Just hold on. It's been a, it's been a month since I visited my waxer. I'm currently living up to the furry nickname below the belt. I must return it to its mostly naked status in case Alex should want to pet it or kiss it or bury his wood in it. (laughs) (laughs) And I found the use of must there really interesting. Yeah. Um, There's also this thing where she's going to his house. I pack an entire suitcase full of clothes and throw essential items such as my home waxing kit and razors into a box. So again, positioned as like, yeah. The important things to be taking. 
I remember being young and I would worry about it. Like I remember feeling that level of pressure though, mm. being like, or like, and also, I mean, someone, she is 22. So bringing someone home for as an example and like ducking to the bathroom to sort yeah. that shit out, you know, like mm. I would not be doing that now. <laughs> I definitely think like as someone who has had to wax, I would, I would never have done something like that because I knew I would fucking pay for it. Yeah. But that just meant that I would always make sure if I had a date with someone, it would be like a two day before kind of like, yeah, that's some I, forward planning. I need to wax. wash their fucking hair. <laughs> yeah. But that idea of like going out on a date, meaning you needed to sort your shit out, so to say, you know, yeah. um, I've also found it interesting in when I've been dating women as well. I've dated a few women who only date other women. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just find it interesting to think back to those times and those pressures still often translated to a woman to woman dynamic. Like it's just, you know, by the very like nature of removing a man from the situation, it doesn't change the social pressures that have built up over time that have taught us what is and isn't attractive. Yeah. And I think it's also an interesting space for gay men. The issue of hair and hair removal is a really interesting space because you obviously have, there is this ideal of the gay male body yeah. um, that tends to be hairless, quite muscular. And then you have kind of like the subcultures, which is the bears and and all yeah, of that. Yeah, of course. I mean, that's a, if you're going to think of a hairy animal. <laughs> yeah, but it's, there is still this pressure to conform to a certain beauty ideal. And I read I read this great line in one of the articles that was talking about male hair removal. Mm -hmm. It said, you know, it should not be seen as somehow liberatory for women that men are now developing the same concerns and engaging in similar projects of hair removal. Mm. This may only tighten the socially inscribed limitations to which they must respond. That's a good point. That was the other thing about my perspective of being like, well, I will only do it if a man does it. It's like, well, actually. We should all be free to do what we want with our <laughs> like, hair. Yeah, like that's not the problem. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, it's not even so much a problem of like this equality of, of hair removal. It's about looking at why we do it and, and being able to have a choice, which yeah. there's, you know, a massive argument that women don't have a choice currently. Um. The other way that hair came up in this book was with the stepbrother, Buck. So he's <laughs> he's introduced as um, Buck is a mammoth like a yeti, a huge, perverted, hairy whore of a yeti. Hairy whore. Yep. Yep. Um, then, you know, further on it says, the amount of fur he sports make, makes him resemble a matted yeti. I don't know if you realize this, but he looks like a yeti. <laughs> Then later on in the book, she says to him, he says something she objects to. She says, that's like the Yeti calling the Sasquatch hairy. He runs a hand self-consciously over his forearm. So that to me tells me that like he is self-conscious about the hair on his body. And I was reading things about male hair removal, Mm. which is also a super interesting space because it's kind of a, a space in flux. Yeah. Um, we're seeing a lot more men manscaping yeah. both their pubic hair, but also their chest and back and, and whatever. Yeah. And 
from some of the research that I was looking into, it is kind of this interesting um, conflict between hair is natural and manly. Mm -hmm. And then a similar thing to the way women are taught to think about hair, which is that it's disgusting and dirty. And so what they've found currently is that the way that these things are being um, brought together is this idea of excess hair. Yeah. Yeah. So you can have a bit on your chest and you can have a bit on your back, but if you have too much, that's a problem and you need to deal with it. Yeah. And exactly what is too much, nobody knows. Yeah. I've dated a couple of guys actually who have had, um, who have been really self-conscious about the amount of hair that they had. And it was a really interesting space because, and I just remember it forced me to grapple with that. Yes, it is a gendered issue. I think it is, it is, yeah. it has a gendered nature to it, but all that means is that it impacts people in different ways. Yeah. You know? I think I think what came out of the research was that generally speaking, men do have a bit broader of a choice of what to do with their hair. They can. It's not as much. It's not as much of a statement mm. for them to rock a hairy back. Yeah, you know, that's just like, a, oh, he has a hairy back. It's not like, oh my god, what a. I don't even know what you would call that. <laughs> but I think that point about the fact that men are more concerned about this now not being liberating for women is a yeah. really important one. It is, yeah. I think, you know, expanding the cage to invite more people into it is, it might create an illusion that we're becoming more... Accepting. Yeah. But we're becoming more accepting of curtailing people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean... I just thought this was fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. And I thought I would leave us on um, <laughs> a, a small snippet of the the monster cock. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> it doesn't have anything to do with hair, but essentially she has a dream about the cock as a, as a superhero, saving her from a giant boob. What? <laughs> and I mean, I'm on team boob. <laughs> And at the end, uh, when they're together and they're just kind of happy, Alex wakes up to her taking photos of his penis. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There are a lot of comedy Money. aspects that are very problematic. <laughs> this is one of them. Taking photos of his penis. Um, she's, she's put googly eyes oh. on it. Oh, that's good. And wrapped a cape around it and drawn a mustache <laughs> How did he not wake up? I don't know. And the cape she made is emblazoned with MC for monster cock. I mean, it's very creative. <laughs> She's touching his dick. He starts getting hard. She's tied the cape on too tight. Oh no. Oh no. And then can't get it undone. And has to cut it off. Oh, that sounds very stressful, actually. <laughs> and he's freaking out. I mean, fair. So, uh, Monster Cock is a superhero. That's your little craft activity for everyone in lockdown. <laughs> yeah. Just create a superhero for your partner's genitals. <laughs> <laughs> Consensually, of course. Yeah, maybe not while they're asleep. <laughs> mm, books, love.